Welcome to Barefoot Autism Warriors podcast. I'm Ninka Benedit Mauritsson and I freed my son from symptoms of autism. This podcast is my way of giving back. I share the unique approach to autism which got my son from one of the most severe cases of endless tantrums, rituals, stimming, sleepless nights, aggression and lack of eye contact to a life without any symptoms. I also share how this journey connected me to my life purpose and made me lose 44 pounds, getting rid of anxiety and depression, plus help my entire family. This podcast is for those who don't subscribe to one-size-fits-all solutions, who do not accept the notion of there's nothing you can do. This podcast is for those who believe in healing, spirituality, biohacking, brain development, ancestral health, and wake-up calls. Autism is a sacred wake-up call, and this is a place to be to wake up to change and transformation. Today I want to talk about something that's been really difficult for me in the beginning of my autism turnaround journey with my son. Grief and trauma. I want to share how I learned to heal and deal with grief and trauma. How you can tell the difference between healthy grieving and unhealthy emotions. Healthy phases of numbing out the feelings to cope for a little while while you're in a deep crisis. And unhealthy ways of numbing out your feelings. It's really important that you know the difference because you can either grow from grief and pain and trauma or you can use it as a roadblock it can literally block the ability to change your life to turn autism around so let me start with the story many years after my son's autism was turned around I was giving a talk and I was giving a talk in a huge group of writers and journalists and publicists because I had just published my book about the journey that my family went through. In the book, I don't describe the autism turnaround that much um, and I had not been processing the huge post-traumatic stress and trauma that we went through as a family and that I went through as a mom, as a woman. And I thought I was fine. I was feeling great. The family, we were all thriving, healthy, and kids were developing. My son did no longer have any symptoms. And so I thought I was great. I was doing great. And then I stood up to give this talk, and I was going to talk a little bit about my son's transformation. And as soon as I mentioned his name, my throat blocked tears just start started to stream down my face and I started crying like a baby not just a discreet you know um, dinner party uh, dramatic for effect kind of crying but a really un- inappropriate ugly cry and that's when I realized oh my god you have not processed the grief and the trauma and the stress that you have been through while turning autism around for your child. It literally felt like it was emotional debris, stuck emotions in my tissue, just 
wanting to get out, wanting to be expressed, wanting to be felt by me and processed just like you need to process food or you'll just recirculate toxic debris in your body as well. So what did I learn from this that I can share with you so that you can go through a healthy emotional healing process when you turn autism around? I must say that I think this is something that will happen for all of us when we get the diagnosis and when we realize that this is going to change my life. I knew that when my son stopped having eye contact with me, started to line everything up and started to have tantrums, stopped sleeping at night, started coughing all day, started to get violent and apathic and didn't want any physical contact either. And I could just see him slip away into this just darkness of being out of reach. I knew that my life had changed and I knew that the life I had imagined for my family and for myself, the family that I had imagined we were going to create together, that fell apart when I got the diagnose for my child. And it was a state of shock. Everything I thought was going to happen in my life, all of a sudden I realized this is never going to become reality. This was before I knew that autism could be turned around, that there were so many things I could do with diet, lifestyle, my thinking, my belief system, um, my way of dealing with life, my way of parenting and staying awake and stay, staying connected to Mother Nature and to my inner guidance. But anyway, no matter what happens, no matter how well informed you are about all the things you can do to turn autism around, you will come to a place of grief uh, and shock. And there are different phases of dealing with grief and trauma. And if you skip one of those phases, you will experience some form of emotional constipation, which is why you need to be courageous enough to go through all these phases. And is one of the reasons why I, I have created my free mindset course and my coached mindset course that uh, is launching in the fall at the time of this recording. Because these are phases that you need to go through and you need to know what to do. But let me just lay it out for you. It is normal when you get to a new place, <laughs> when you get into this state of shock, just like a soldier in a war zone, you get into a state of survival. And when you are in a state of shock and survival, you have to shut down emotions to cope with the immediate crisis. I had to shut down my emotions when my son was so sick and so he was screaming all the time, having tantrums all the time. It was literally years without sleep and just fighting to try and turn things around for him. We were literally in a war zone back then. When you're in a war zone, you need to numb out the feelings and just do what you need to do to save your child. And that's what we did. We changed the diet. We exercised with him. We moved from the city to the country. We took him into the to nature 
And we had him barefoot walking and exercising and being outside for, for hours, even though he, he was screaming and protesting every single day for a whole year straight. That's an emergency situation. It's like being in a war zone. Your child is out of reach and there's a constant violence and screaming and lack of sleep and lack of physical contact. This is the ultimate crisis for a parent. And just like soldiers need to numb out the feelings to cope with the immediate danger, that's what we do as parents. When we then get out of the danger zone and we start to return to some form of normality, which is what happens when we change or happens for, for many of us when we change the lifestyle and the diet and we start getting our children reconnected to nature and to circadian rhythm and, and mother intuition starts guiding the diet and the and the turnaround and the lifestyle, and the children get better. So they might start sleeping at night. They might you might see eye contact. You might see them starting to eat normal foods, nutritional with a lot of nutritional value in it instead of these junky foods that they had been addicted to previously. In other words, crisis zone. We have left the crisis zone. So what's the difference between soldiers that are stuck in PTSD for life and soldiers that heal and grow from their, their traumatic experience? And what's the difference between autism mothers who heal from their pain and grief and trauma and those who are stuck in a state of PTSD for the rest of their lives and a state of apathy, apathic state of, of not knowing what to do and just literally coping, just coping with life, surviving rather than living? The difference is that when we when we leave the danger zone, the immediate crisis, this is when the next phase of emotional healing has to happen. It just has to happen. And it's very challenging. And it's a phase that I did not want to go through. So I just boxed all my feelings. You know, I just didn't want to deal with them. I didn't want to feel them. I just wanted to live my life. I had gotten out of the crisis and out of the emergency situation. There was no way I wanted to hang on to my feelings. But by not allowing myself to process the grief and the trauma, I experienced a blocked energy field in my system. And when you shut down emotionally and you don't want to feel the, the uncomfortable feelings, you actually also shut down the good feelings, the bonding the joy of life, the connection, the loving feelings, all the things that make life blissful and that just makes, makes it worthwhile to be a mother, makes it amazing to be in a relationship, makes it blissful to be a human being, the connection and the bonding. Um, so phase two is to actually revisit the feelings that you numbed out when you were in the state of emergency, when you were in the war zone. When you're in safety and you no longer have to battle the enemy and stay alive, that's when you revisit grief and trauma. For soldiers, they need to revisit the pain of losing their, their best friends, see them die in the war zone. For autism parents, it is revisiting the tremendous shock and terror and horror of losing your child. That's what happens when autism enters our lives as, as parents. 
it is an extremely shocking and extremely painful situation to see your child slip away and never knowing whether you're going to have eye contact again, whether you ever will hug your child again, whether you'll get your sleep back, your life back, your marriage back, family life back, your, your, your purpose of life back. That grief of, oh, I lost the opportunity to just be a normal family, having a normal child and a normal childhood and sleep at night and bond and, and go and see friends and go shopping without tantrums and life and death situations all the way to the supermarket because the child jumps in front of cars or whatever. That whole crisis situation, you need to revisit it and you need your system, your body, your heart Feel those feelings in a way that it's almost like digesting these feelings. They need to go through your system and they need to be digested one by one. You need to sit with these feelings and breathe through them. And in my mindset course, I have meditation practices so that you can go through these emotional healing practices and breathe through these feelings and get to a state where your brain is prepared to do this and to rewire and to create new connections and op be open to change rather than trying to defend your protect yourself from pain and therefore subconsciously actually prevent change from happening, prevent healing from happening. So phase number two is actually revisiting and feeling the grief. One of the most, you know, crazy things about this is that sometimes we can grieve pain that's been walking with us. We've been walking with pain for so long that it actually becomes a grieving process in itself to let go of that pain that will no longer walk with us. Even the pain of autism, when that, when your child's life is turned around to a degree where you might even say to yourself, I don't think my child has symptoms anymore. You need to understand that you still have to grieve parts of you that's walked with you for so long that now wants to say goodbye. And there are, there are paradoxes in this as well, because being an autism mom with a child that's struggling, you, you belong to a very strong community of struggling moms when you're in that phase. You get a lot of um, compassion, you get a lot of help, you get a lot of pity. People feel sorry for us when we're like that. If we have people around us that, that have the heart and compassion to do so and if they don't just run away. Um, having a problem is something that can be hard to let go of. So we need in this phase of allowing feelings, we need to grieve the normal life that we never had with our child in those one, two, three or four years or whatever, how long you were in the dark phases of autism. And then we need to grieve the trauma we need to relive the trauma, we need to feel the trauma and the grief to finally process it through the system so that we can let it go. Without that face and that emptiness, that pain, that sorrow, that fear that we revisit when we go to that place again, so many of us want to do anything to avoid those uncomfortable feelings. But let me tell you one thing that I've learned through turning autism around for my son. No growth 
will ever happen on a big scale without a certain amount of discomfort. So you need to move through the discomfort to grow from this experience. Those who avoid the pain, the grief, the darkness, the trauma, because they don't want to feel the uncomfortable feelings, end up getting stuck in those recirculating patterns. So recirculating all these painful emotions that we don't want to feel, but they are still stored in our tissue. They are still stored in our emotional memory. They're stored in the brain. And it will those feelings, if they don't get a an exit point somewhere where they can leave the body and do what they need to do with us, they will control our actions because then we will try to avoid uncomfortable feelings for the rest of our lives that will remind us of this grief and trauma that we haven't healed around our child's turnaround, which means that we will go through life with limited expectations, with limited experiences, with limited ability to connect and bond and feel all the good feelings because we didn't want to feel the, the painful feelings. So that's really key. The last thing I want to say to you about emotional healing and grief is actually two things. One, you don't need someone else to heal you emotionally. I often hear people say, oh, who's going to... Who's going to close the circle? Who's going to make sure that that you can that someone can handle all the, these feelings? And and who's going to who's going to coach you through it? Where's the therapist? Where oh, you don't you need psychotherapy? And ooh, you know we've got this anxiety around our own emotional structure. But you don't need someone to heal you. Just like you've got an inherited ability to heal. A wound, if you cut yourself, the body knows how to close that wound. Unless it's extremely deep and you need stitches, but still then the body will still recover and you will uh, regrow tissue. You might have a scar there, but you will still heal. You have the same inherited capability to deal with emotional wounds as well. And we should not fear our feelings Because feelings are not dangerous. Feelings are here to teach us something. Feelings are here to warn us. Feelings are here to be felt and processed and released. And the only thing that's dangerous about feelings is actually when we don't want to feel them. And when we get into huge trouble to avoid our feelings, that's when it becomes really tricky. And that is when we get into a state of unconscious self-sabotage patterns and inability to connect and bond. And we get more and more stressed and more and more irritable. And our mood just swings all over the place because we don't want to feel our feelings. And that is where the danger lies. Feelings and feeling is healing. So feeling your feelings is actually healing in itself. Not wanting to feel the feelings is a direct route to disaster because if you don't want to feel the feelings, you cannot heal the feelings. And you will never solve an emotional issue with your head and your mind and understanding it intellectually. It has to be felt via your heart. So your sensations, your body sensations, if you're feeling uncomfortable or you're feeling pain or you're feeling stress, that is sensations that it's trying to guide you back to your heart 
so that you can heal your feelings, heal your grief and heal your trauma. And you can definitely do this. Um, it will stay with you until it gets an, an exit door from you, somewhere to be processed, somewhere to be felt and somewhere to be released. And only you can uh, offer that path for your feelings. After that phase, when you have released these feelings, they say all the clever people that work with trauma and emotional healing and, and feeling feelings, that it takes about 90 seconds for your system, for your body, for your soul to process an emotion. Unless we block it and unless we attach a lot of stories and words to that feeling if we just let that feeling have its way with us and wash over us like a tsunami if we do that it will take 90 seconds and then that feeling will be processed you can revisit it if you feel that there's more work to be done but after the feelings have been felt you, then you will understand what the higher purpose of your pain and grief of, of the hardships that you've been through, what was the purpose of it? And you will learn how discomfort is part of growth and what this painful situation was here to, to teach you and how you needed to go through this to become the person that you are becoming on the other side of that grief and pain. Look at it as an empty void what we tend to want to do when we feel the feelings come up, the feelings of grief, the feelings of sorrow, the feelings of trauma, the feelings of pain, the feelings of goodbye, which is one of the most difficult things for us human beings is to let go even of the dysfunctional familiar. When we feel these feelings, these feelings, we will have a tendency to want to detach from them and run away from them. And that typically happens when we have this big void, this big emptiness, this big grief in front of us, then we want to fill it with something so that we don't have to feel it. And it's typically sugar or food or flirting or working, overperforming or exercising or moving or getting a pet or whatever project that you can come up with so that you can distract yourself from the feelings that need you. Feeling those feelings is like taking this gaping void, fertilizing it, watering it, planting your seeds in that void. You cannot see what's growing underneath the ground of this void, but it is your garden and it's your job to plant your seeds, to water it. Crying is watering your garden. And then at some point, something will grow from that pain and that void and that emptiness. And then you will understand why this happened to you. So I hope it made sense why grief is healthy when you allow it to happen. And the difference between healthy and unhealthy attachments to grief and pain and the difference between healthy and unhealthy numbness is do we use it to go through a challenging phase and then let it go on the other side? Or do we use the numbness to not feel anything and then we stay numb in life in general? 
and we stay detached from our emotions to protect ourselves from them so that we actually lose out and miss out on huge growth potential and huge healing processes that we need to turn autism around and that we need to become the tribe leaders that we need to be to lead our children through this jungle. So I want you to sit down and write down, write on a piece of paper, some feelings that come up for you when you listen to this. What feelings have you not allowed yourself to feel yet? And how does it feel for you? How does it look like? How does that feel? The grief, the pain, the trauma that you went through, the shock. Try to describe it in detail and then allow yourself to go through a phase of processing this grief. And uh, I really hope it makes sense. I, uh, I'm so grateful and so humbled by the beautiful, beautiful reviews on my podcast. If this made sense to you, I would love a review. I would love some stars from you and for you to share this podcast with someone who's going through a tough time or someone who's missed out on the missed out on the healing process of turning autism around or maybe they're stuck in the grief and the pain and the numbness. So let me know what you think about the podcast. Write me on Instagram. I'm Ninka Benedict Maurits on Instagram. Go to my webpage. Um, It's launching very soon, Barefoot Autism Warriors. Maybe it's already launched when you listen to this. Sign up for my free mindset course and my resources guide. You can find it on Instagram in, and you can find it. It will be in Linktree very soon or on my webpage. And let me know what you think about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when I launch my next episode. See you soon.